Mark Nelson. Um, Mark is one, if you were here last week, you would have heard me talk about um, the Pentagon, which is four of my mates that I trained with at Vicar School. When we were in the Vicar factory together, we trained, and um, Mark is one of, one of those guys that I go away with yearly on retreat. And um, Mark, actually, when we were training, uh, as part of training, you go away for these residential weekends away. You stay away. And so you go on, I think it was seven a year, so that's 21, but there's also three weeks away as well. For all that time, Mark was my roommate. And I don't know if you can imagine sharing a room with me, but he's, he's, got, he's, he's, he's done well and he's still standing and still alive. But um, Mark's a real, real dear friend and he's with his family, Jen, and their children here. They're on holiday in Cornwall, but they've blessed us this morning by traveling over to come and speak to us and bless us with that. So would you please welcome my good, my best friend, Mark Nelson. Come on, let's go. Love it. Good morning, everyone. Uh, great to be together today. Um, a few things just to say right at the start. Um, you are honestly an answer to uh, some of my prayers over the years. Uh, like I said, we, we've had the privilege of journeying together, walking together. And uh, even when uh, this new chapter of God here in Torbay was kind of even being dreamed about, thought about, um, we were gathering to pray and believing and to honestly walk in the doors. Um, I wish I could be part of this church. Um, I loved it. Our kids are right now in your kids' groups, um, learning about Jesus, growing in their own faith. And for that, I'm really, really grateful. Uh, but also, like Matt said, um, uh, the night would come on our residential weekends away, and I would be uh, like pretty early to bed, to be honest. Uh, we just had our first kid, pretty tired, and I'd be like tucked up in bed. Matt, on the other hand, I don't know if you know him well enough yet to know this, he's like an energizer bunny. He'd like a few Pepsi Maxes down, table tennis table, and he'd be off. And uh, he'd kind of walk into our room late at night, and he'd be like, Mark, 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 are you awake? I'd be like, well, yeah, I am. I am now. And he'd be like, oh, what are you up to? And I was like, well, I thought that was clear, but, you know. And we'd sit, and um, I'd be like, Matt, I've got, I've got to go to sleep. And he'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's sleep. Come on. Another day's, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring you're guessing his energy. You know him well, too. Um, but it was um, such a, a, a formative time for us. And, hey, I just want to encourage you. Um, I've had the privilege of knowing these guys well, and they are amazing leaders. I know you've got an amazing team, a brilliant team. I'm kind of slowly uh, getting to meet them all. But um, just to say for Matt and Faith, they are really brave leaders, uh, particularly over the last year. They have um, led through some um, big challenges and walked the walk. And um, it, I, it, I get the chance to boast in them. And I just think they're amazing people. And uh, so, um, yeah, I'm really, really grateful uh, to be here today. Um, also, uh, just to let you know, I'm married to Jenna. The most important thing about me, we've got three kids, Seth, Finn, and Remy. If you see them at the end looking lost, please don't let them leave the car park. Um, but I'm also um, the associate pastor of a church in East London uh, called St. And um, uh, just by way of context, it meets across seven locations around East London. And uh, my job is to really try and help those come to life, those communities come to life. My wife and I have the privilege of leading our Shoreditch location right in the heart of East London. And it's been a wild adventure over seven and a half years. And um, there is nowhere I'd rather be uh, than here this morning. We are in a series called Grow, if you've been here over recent weeks. Uh, if you've been a part of Grow um, just this last few weeks, can you just give me a little whoop or wave? 
Okay, great. So some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, really, this is a outlining, uh, outlining a discipleship framework uh, that's going to help us as a, uh, you know, you guys as a community learn to do two things. Firstly, to live in the story of God, and secondly, to develop as disciples of Jesus. And if you're here two weeks ago, week one was about the framework for discipleship, and uh, I think some of the imagery attached to that was the idea of trellis. You know, the stuff that you hang things on. And who knows, like some of the, the, the great gift of producing lots of fruit is that it can be quite heavy. And uh, what happens when fruit grows on the ground? Well, it's at risk of what? Rotting, right? When fruit has nothing to hang on, the risk of rot is uh, quick and evident. And so the, ne- like the necessity for a framework for trellis to be around means that uh, you and I can fulfill our greatest potential in the Lord. And that's why we need the framework for discipleship, these healthy rhythms that we each carry. Last week, then Matt unpacked what it looks like to live in the story of God. If week one was about the trellis, last week was about the soil. And I guess I want to ask you again, what is in the soil of your life? As if to say, what is about to be uh, kind of um, bearing fruit in the weeks, months, and years to come? What is about to emerge uh, from the soil of your life? What's about to be displayed? And then today, um, I get the privilege of helping us look at how we develop as disciples of Jesus. I guess in the process of it, it will be like watering the plant, like the water, the stuff that will help cause uh, the growth. To do that, what I want to do is look at one of my favorite individuals in Scripture, uh, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Um, and if you know the story of Peter, you'll know he's a bit of an underdog. And, um, and, and so the reason that I kind of want to talk about that is because he lived a, uh, a really interesting life that was really um, annotated throughout the Scriptures. And we're going to look at a passage at uh, the end of uh, his life in 1 Peter. And we're going to read that together in a moment. But just to set some context for you, if you're trying to understand a little bit about this moment. Uh, he's in a moment, the Apostle Peter, where he is writing a letter to a group of churches And he's, in one sense, laying out a manifesto for how to live out your life with God, how to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus to your very last breath. He has walked the walk. He's made it to the end. And he is, in this moment, laying out a few values for people that they might want to walk with as well. Are you with me so far? So this is what he's doing. He's unpacking some stuff. So um, he also, in this letter, speaks to both the elders in the community and those who are much younger. As if to say today, if it's the first day you've ever walked through the doors of church, welcome. Great to see you here. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus over decades. Well, the good thing about this scripture is that there is a word of God for each of you. There is uh, some lessons, some values to be drawn out for each of us. So we're going to read together uh, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. Um, Ashley, can you quickly show that photo of the, the Pentagon group? So just um, each year we go away, you know, Matt talks about it. Um, this is one of my um, precious moments. We normally keep all of the photos private from it. But just to say, um, like that has been a cauldron of prayer and encouragement for me. It's helped me walk out my faith over the years in a really vibrant way. And uh, I'm really grateful for uh, the answered prayers that have come out of that room. Sorry, let's move on. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. You can open your Bibles if you've got one with you. If not, uh, we can follow along together on the screen. It says this. To the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. 
watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let me pray very briefly before we draw out three key lessons here. Father, we thank you that your word is a light to our path, lamp unto our feet. And we pray that in this moment you would open our hearts to hear from you. King of heaven, that you would reveal yourself, speak to us each personally. Help us to walk in step with you this day. Amen. So I want to draw out, like I said, three uh, lessons from Peter's life that are going to help us grow as disciples of Jesus. First is to develop a hunger for holiness. Christian character is living with a conviction that we want what is going on on the inside of us to be bigger than what is going on on the outside. In building terms, you can use the analogy of a house. If you only build the outer walls of a house, they'll only grow so high, higher and higher and higher, that if you don't attend to the inner walls of house, the things that support that height, eventually it will get to a point where it falls in on itself. This is what growing in holiness looks like. You can't offer externally what you do not carry internally. You can teach what you know, they say, but you ultimately reproduce who you are, right? There is something inwardly that God wants to attend to that's going to help us walk out our faith. The evangelist, J. John, put it like this. He said, if your output is higher than your input, then your upkeep will be a downfall. I love that phrase. Let me say it again. If your output is higher than your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. In essence, if you don't find a way to look after yourself in faith, it will start to run dry. You will start to run out of energy because we're not designed just to externally put out and put out and put out. God wants to fill our inner world with his presence and his life. And if, like me, you think we, the passage we just read, it's easy to get to the end of that and look at this statement, this like, amazing uh, collection of statements in his letter and think he's always had it sorted, Like in 2 Peter 1, he says uh, this as well. He says, you have received everything that you need in life and in godliness. Like, you got it all. Do you know what I mean? Like, you are sorted. Um, Then he says in the passage, doesn't he? Like, be willing in verse 2 to care. Be eager to serve. In verse 3, he then says, be examples to the flock. Be examples to, to obey. Like, humble yourselves, he says. He goes on and on with this list of things. And if you're like me, you think, gosh, that's quite a high bar, isn't it? 
It's quite high expectation on the followers of Jesus to live in this way. The good news is that it wasn't always like this. If you know the story of Peter well, you'll know that uh, he had a nickname. He had a first century Jewish nickname given to him by Jesus himself. Him and his brother, do you know what it was? The Sons of Thunder, which basically means total hotheads. Like they had a massive personality, had quite a lot of internal growth to do, didn't have it all quite together. The Sons of Thunder. Who else is grateful for nicknames in the Bible? I'm like, well, okay, great. Okay, so we know that the passage we just had read to us is the end game. It's not the present day. As if to say, if you're still a work in progress, praise God, so was Peter. But here's the thing. Peter got there. Uh, He got there. He got to the end of his life still with this vibrant faith, declaring the goodness of Jesus to fellow people. So I want to ask you just a simple question to take away this week. I want you to ask yourself if what you are doing today is getting you closer to where you want to be tomorrow. Like, how is your internal life, how is your whole life, in fact, orientated to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus? One quick story about this. Uh, In our house, we have a bit of an ongoing conversation about me joining the gym. Does anyone else have these sorts of conversations? With their spouse, (laughs) Um, some people at the back like, oh, yeah, my, my husband definitely needs to get in the gym. We, um, we had this ongoing conversation, and um, I was having a bit of a, a rough week. It was bedtime. It was a Thursday night. Uh, the kids, trying to get all the kids in bed. And I get this phone call, cold call, and this lady um, calls me and goes, Hi, this is Jane from uh, Fit This Gym. And I hear that you want to sign up. Congratulations. That's such good news. And I'm literally there thinking, one of my staff team is pranking me. I was literally like, it was like the wrong moment in my week to uh, have this phone call. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, you got the wrong person. They're like, no, is this not Mark Nelson? And like, here's your email. And Mark, is not your... And then it's like, oh, here's your address. I was like, well, they are all my personal details. But no, I have not spoken to you about joining your gym. And, um, and she's like, oh, look, I- I'm really sorry. Just, are you interested? And I was getting a bit hacked off, to be honest. At this point, I was like, look, I have not called. I'm not joining your gym. Get rid of all of my personal details. <laughs> Goodbye. Right? Do you know what I mean? Not very kind. Walk in the other room, walk up to Jen. And I'm like, babe, can you believe it? Like some idiot has like given away my personal details and tried to you know, pretend that I wanted to join. The... And Jen, Jen turns around to me. She's literally giving one of the kids a bath. And she's like, Mark, that was me. And I had this sinking feeling about all this conversation about growth and like creating space and time for me and a good place for me to exercise. My wife had to like nudge and encourage it. And I call and I slam this room. So being the Christian pastor, I am. Pick back up the phone, call the gym back. Oh, is Jane there? Like Jane picks up the phone. I'm like, Jane, I'm so sorry. It turns out it is me that wants to join your gym. (laughs) And I'm just so apologetic, you know. But the good news is, is that sometimes like... Isn't it true how other people can be more committed to our growth than we are? And I guess what I want to say to you is, like, Jesus is so committed to you becoming all that God has made you to be. Like, don't put it off. You know, don't don't resent it when it comes. Like, find a way to pursue God. It's why reading the Bible every day is such an important thing. Uh, you know, because it's it sustains us. Like, who knows? Who, who remembers every meal they've ever eaten in their life? No, but who knows that every meal has sustained them? It's the same with the Word of God, right? We might read scriptures day after day and think, well, I'm not quite sure that verse, I don't know, it feels a little bit mundane. But please know that there is an inner work of God bringing like, life and light to your inner world that will serve you over the long term. Amen? 
Still with me? Here's what I want to say about this, is that every fire needs a fireplace. Like if you've come to experience the presence of God in your life, there is a fire that has come alive in you. And your responsibility now is to take that fire and to put it into a fireplace, to build a framework for that fire to burn passionately, brightly, and healthily over the long term. That's what these spiritual principles do. That's what these inner rhythms do. They create for us a life of holy living. Two to go. Okay, so second thing. Uh, So firstly, hunger after holiness, the inner world. Secondly, develop a healthy relationship with failure. Develop a healthy relationship with failure. Did you know that failure was one of the defining marks of Peter's discipleship to Jesus? Did you know that? Simon Peter, he failed. This is the guy that thought it was a good idea to try and cool down fire on the Samaritans. You know, Jesus is like, let's go through Samaria. Peter's like, let's, not like Pentecostal fire, not like the good fire. Like, let's burn, let's burn them up, Jesus. That's a good idea. And Jesus is like, not quite sure that's what I meant. This is the guy that got in a fight in a garden with a guy chopped off his ear. Jesus is like, oh, I'm so sorry, sticks it back on. Do you know what I mean? Like, it pays to have friends in high places, doesn't it? Like, this is, this is the guy that then went and denied Jesus three times. He denied ever knowing his best friend, his Lord, his Savior, the one that he committed years to following in a very intimate and personal way. But you know, he also learned from his failures. I want to just pick up on a little verse in John chapter 21, verses 4 to 7. After he has uh, denied Jesus, here's what it says. Early in the morning, And this is now the moment where Peter, having denied Jesus, he goes back to his former life, the life he had before he ever knew Jesus. He was a pretty bad fisherman. Any any bad fisher people here? Okay, great. And he's tried to go back to that life to be like, maybe, maybe it'll be fine. Maybe I can just live out my life trying to just provide for myself in this way. And here's what he says. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, then throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Listen to this. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, what did he do? He wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off. Side note, he was naked. (laughs) He wrapped it round him, he jumped into the water, and he pegged it to shore. Although Peter failed time and time again, even at the mention of the name of Jesus, he went running. He went running back into his presence. Like he had discovered something in his own heart that only Jesus could fulfill. Verse 9 in our passage says, resist him, stand firm in your faith. It's an encouragement from the Apostle Peter at the end of his life to say, hey, don't go after the world that's not made for you. Go after Jesus. Wait for the mention of his name. Find it in the day-to-day workings of your life. Friends, can I encourage you to handle your failures, not hide them? Like, let's not be a church community where when things aren't going well for us, we say, maybe if I just keep that hidden long enough, then I'll make it through. Jesus invites us into a better way. He says, come to me. Come to me. Like, at the very mention of his name. It's why our Pentagon group, we, it's a silly name, but it's a powerful idea. It's a place where over 10 years now I've gone 
with all my successes and my failures to be remade, reborn, re-encouraged and recommissioned into the life that God has for me. God wants the same for you too. Peter went, he felt, he saw, he failed, he learned and he led. Praise God for that. Praise God that the failures didn't define his faith. Don't let your failures define your faith either, right? So secondly, develop a healthy relationship with failure. Third and finally, still with me? All right, let's keep going. Learn to avoid comparison. Avoid comparison. If like habits of holiness and overcoming failure are things that can help accelerate your discipleship towards Jesus, comparison can starve your growth. It will starve your growth. I want to look very briefly at the story of Peter's reappointment. So if Jesus has now found Peter on the beach, returned to his old way of life before he ever knew Jesus, uh, we get to look at what he does after that. You know, I want you to picture for a moment, like he's now swum to shore, they've had some breakfast, they're taking a little stroll along Painton Beach, you know what I mean? They're, like they're just having their stroll now along the beach and their belly's full and Jesus starts to ask Peter these questions. Actually, this one question three times. Peter, do you love me? If you know the story, he's like, do you love me? He's like, Peter's like, Jesus, you know I love you. I just, I'm sorry I failed. And then he says, well, then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? He's like, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. And Jesus takes Peter through this amazing journey of reappointment, doesn't he? He reaffirms all the calling he's ever put in Peter as a leader to serve in his church. This is the guy who Jesus once said, you are the rock on which I'm going to build the whole church. And this is the moment where that future becomes realized. Again, he is like redemptively going through all the work of reappointing him, doing, undoing the work of the denials to get him ready for the life that comes ahead. So, you know, this is the moment that they're in. And then it culminates in this moment of repeat from the first words that Jesus ever spoke to Peter back in the day, where he says this. In John chapter 21, verse 19, he says, follow me. Like, full stop. Then he said to him, follow me. Reappointment is made. What like a moment of, uh, of calling being fulfilled, right? Then come, follow me. The very next words, verse 20, without even taking a breath, uh, like the passage continues. And most people miss this. I've missed this over the years, uh, but it stands out to me so strongly now. Verse 20, here's what it says. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Lord, what about him? You see, comparison arrives at the door at the very moment that your calling is made sure. He's literally said, now come, follow me. And Peter goes, but what, what about him? What about her? Comparison, friends, is the thief of joy and it's the enemy of the anointed. What comparison does, it doesn't only steal your joy, it will instill insecurity in your life. And who knows what insecure people do? They go looking for affirmation and affection in all the wrong places. We all do this when we're insecure, don't we? We try and find ways to cope. And Jesus doesn't want us to live our faith out with insecurity at play. Jesus wants us to be fully sure 
But know that in the story of Peter, like we can look to the end of his life and know he's walked the walk. But in this moment, he says, come, follow me. And immediately Peter goes, but what about him? Oh, they seem pretty good at that. Aren't they better equipped? They've got a better education than me. They've been a Christian longer than I have. Comparison will rob you of the life that Jesus has for you if you allow it to live within you for too long. So when we uh, begin to live uh, the life of faith filled with comparison, do you know what happens? We become too busy watching other people run their race to run our own. Like it, it just, it will rob you of all life and joy. And here's what I want to say to you, Bay Church. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. He can only bless who you are. God wants to bless you. He wants to pour out his spirit on you again. He can't bless a pretend version of you, the compared version of you. Everyone else, what's that phrase? It feels like a birthday card, you know, like be yourself, everyone else is taken. But it's, it's true. It's true. God can't bless who you're pretending to be. But do know that you're not alone in this. This is a, a narrative that is played out through Scripture. Just one very quickly before I come into land. This is this. In 1 Samuel, uh, there's a young man called David who's come from the fields to bring his brothers some lunch. And his brothers are in an army. They find themselves in a battle. They're facing Goliath. No one's standing up to fight the guy. And David's like, well, I'll do it. And he walks up to the king, Saul, at the time. And King Saul's there, and he's like, gosh, you're going to need some armor. And he throws his tunic over him, doesn't it? Doesn't he? He throws his tunic and then he puts all of his armor on him. And what he learns is that, um, you know, he literally can't move in someone else's armor. He's standing there and he's like, this just doesn't fit me. I cannot compare myself to you, King Saul. But he knows himself well enough to know that he needs to take that armor off and he needs to go where? To the river of life to find the tools that he needs to fight the battle that is before him on that day. He goes, he gets those smooth stones, and he goes, and what does he do? He defeats the giant that lies before him. Here's what I want to say. If you are dealing with comparison in your life, then come to the stream of living water. Like, come to the presence of God again. Come to, In John chapter 7, Jesus says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, then rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is the invitation to us today. This morning here in Torbay, here in this church, is that whatever you've been walking through, however you find yourself, whether you feel uh, like a young person in the church, an elder in the church, whether you feel like you've been walking with insecurity, comparison, failure, then you can come today to the stream of living water and gather all the things that Jesus wants you to carry today and leave everything else behind. You can take off the lies and pick up the life of freedom. And if we do this, friends, he will move in a profound way into Bay in this day. And he'll do it because you are more authentically the person you're made to be. Made to be. And so what I'd love us to do is I'd love us just to pray that God would fill us and move in us and speak to us in these ways. Would that be all right? that we might grow as followers of Jesus. It's life-giving. It's lifelong. It's breathed on by His Spirit. And it's what we're made to do. Would you like to stand with me wherever you are? We're just going to take a little moment to pray.